Hello and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks again for tuning in. And if it's your first time listening to the show, welcome and glad to have you with us. Okay, we have another fun show for you. My guests today are Nico Tapia and Steffi Berg, based in Phoenix, Arizona. They met in 2013 and have been working together ever since. Well-versed in a variety of tango dance styles, they have taught and performed all over the world. In 2014, they won the U.S. Tango Championship. They are still active in competition and have also gone on to train other U.S. Tango Championship finalists. And with me now are Nico Tapia and Steffi Berg. Nico and Hi. Steffi, hey, thanks so much for being with us. It's, uh, it's great to hear from you. Good to be here, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, so to just jump into things, how did you fall in love with tango? You're assuming that I'm in love with tango? <laughs> I, I am assuming you're in love with tango, or maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, start, we'll start with you, Nico. Uh, let's see. I learned a little bit of Argentine tango when I was working as a ballroom professional at Arthur Murray. Mm. And through that little bit of exposure, I went and checked out the Longa Sea in San Francisco mm-hmm. and got interested in tango. I worked with Santiago Croce a little bit to do kind of an introductory routine, like a little, like a, kind of like a stage ballroom routine. And I took some of those workshops and then I read actually the four hour work week, which was really popular at the time. Right. And in there, Timothy Ferris, who I actually met later, much later in a handstand class in Emeryville, mm, uh, wow. talked about going to Buenos Aires and learning tango and that it was cost effective and yada, yada, yada. Okay, well, I'm going to do that. So that's what I did. Yeah. For just a couple months, went back to school, finished my degree, and then when I went back to Argentina, and then I did some other stuff and went back to Argentina, so on and so on. <laughs> nice. Um, mine's was kind of similar. I started with ballroom. I was a professional ballroom teacher and Argentine tango is something that you teach in ballroom as well. Mm-hmm. They kind of have their own version. So I was trained in that version and I taught it. And then uh, I took 50 Cody's boot camp as part of our studio workshops mm-hmm. um, and was like, oh, there's some different stuff here than what I already know. Um, and then I started going to Milongas mm-hmm. um, and was like, oh, okay, I really like this. It's much more creative. I like the musicality, like there's more artistic mm-hmm. expression than some of the other ballroom dances that I was teaching and stuff. So I got really hooked. And then once I met Nick, we got hooked up to dance together. And it was just like, okay, well, now now I really want to do it. Because <laughs> I have a partner and he's very inspired by tango. So. Nice. so you'd say it was a lot of the creative aspect of it that really got you hooked, you know, in comparison to ballroom. Yeah, because I'm originally from ballet, and so like the musicality of, of dancing to classical music mm-hmm. um, was much more similar to tango because I was like, I'm hearing all these things, and I don't get to do them in ballroom mm-hmm. because you're pretty much sticking with a tempo. You know, you're doing quicks and slows consistently, and each move has a particular tempo, and that's what you teach. Like, you don't change it uh, based on the song. Mm-hmm. And so being able to do that in tango, also being able to do that in West Coast Swing or Lindy Hop, like those dances really appealed to me more. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Steffi, uh, what was your very first tango lesson like? Did you feel you picked this up really quickly given your dance background or was it a little tricky? Yeah, I mean, the steps were fine. I was like, this isn't crazy hard to learn the form, but yeah. I think the intimacy was difficult having to, well, doing like close embrace uh-huh. was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> heck why you want me to be so close 
Um, and then also the idea of like vulnerability, like being in a physically vulnerable or shared access kind of an idea was also really challenging. Um, but obviously because of all the ballet, um, the teachers I worked with were like, okay, awesome. We have this great foundation. So they were very encouraging. And I think that helped a lot because I wasn't like, okay, this is really hard. It was like, okay, well, there's a lot of things I need to add to my dancing to do this, but I'm not going to take forever to feel comfortable. How about you, Nico? What was your very first Argentine tango lesson like? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for real. I, I really don't. I really don't remember. I remember the feeling. Uh-huh. A lot of it has to do with confusion. I was confused a lot and actually pretty frustrated um, a lot in the beginning. I think one of the things that I, I would maybe, I don't know, I don't know what the right word here, but maybe one of the things that I would like to see a little different is the learning process for Argentine tango, maybe a little more, I don't know, methodical, structured, systematic, systematic, encouraging. Yeah, I think think that's one of the things that that, uh, I remember most about my beginning is being kind of like, wow, this is horribly difficult. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's also really interesting for both of us to come from the ballroom world because Mm -hmm. everything is so structured, like Mm -hmm. incredibly so. You know Mm -hmm. the angle, you know the foot position, you know the timing. Mm -hmm. And so when you're taking tango, you're like, wait, why is there no structure here? Like, why am I getting taught three different ways to walk, Mm -hmm. you know, on my first day? Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on here? So... Mm-hmm. But I think since we're both dancers, like that appeals to you too, because you're like, okay, I want to conquer this. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. Yeah, yeah I have uh, some students who are ballroom dancers with a huge, strong foundation. They're going into tango. And yeah, they're saying the same thing. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I can just make things up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that can be scary, but it can also be really fun for them too. Yeah. 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 What was your very first dance like at a Malanga? Nico, do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I think technically the first milonga I went to was in San Francisco, mm. and it was fine. I had no understanding of kind of the social intricacies or context within the, within the world with which I was participating, and so I was <laughs> wonderfully oblivious to any of the negative looks that I was getting. <laughs> um, but the women who danced with me were kind mm. and uh, encouraging, and they, they, in so many words, said, a good effort, and we look forward to dancing with you again in the future. Oh. <laughs> How about you, Steffi? Well, I sort of went to some house party tango events first. Oh, okay. Casual, mm-hmm. and that was nice for me. I think one of my first milongas, or maybe my first milonga, actually was the milonga I met Nico at. So he was one of my first dances. It's, uh, 1924. Yeah, at 1924 in Oakland, and it was really fun. I was, I mean, again, I was also probably pretty ignorant of mistakes I was doing but um, I remember feeling the connection from Nico was different than anything I'd ever experienced before because mm-hmm. I don't know it's just really good and very like Buenos Aires very committed emotionally and I was like what is this this is intense you know like yeah. it was really really eye-opening and I was like I want more of that yeah, yeah. so it was fun so I just want to shift gears a little bit to your own learning experiences. So what's some really good or some really memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers? Uh, relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's something I get told a lot. I think it's hard to stay relaxed while you're trying to do something. Yeah. 
<laughs> I try and hold that within myself a lot. Yeah. So were you really tensed up in the shoulders then at first? Or? No, it's more like thinking that dance needs effort. And it, it, you need technique, but for me, a lot of the technique's already in there. And when I think of adding more, it's too much. Mm. Understanding like how to use your joints in a relaxed, efficient way instead of adding muscle tone. Ah, okay. Um, so not so much tension, but I mean, it will build tension if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. But understanding how to have a more organic motion from a lead is... Something I, I work on. Okay. How about you, Nika? What was your question again? <laughs> um, so, really good or memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own well, teachers? I don't know if this was explicitly stated, okay. but the general message was you have to forge your own way. Mm-hmm. So, the best way thing that I could equate this to is being an entrepreneur in a field where nobody else has really done it before. Mm-hmm. While there are things that you can learn from and business books and and resources, information, ultimately you have to decide how you want to work, how you want to do things, what works for you. And while you're in class, you try to do exactly what the instructor is asking you to do. because Otherwise, they'll throw you out. (laughs) Um, You don't give them any lip. It's very disrespectful. Mm -hmm. But... At the end of the day, you're ultimately going to make your own decisions. Now, the caveat here is you really have to be an expert to do that. Otherwise, you are probably going to make a lot of bad choices. Mm. But to become an expert, you have to make choices. Right. So there's kind of a catch-22 in that sense where you're, you're always trying to forge your own path and you're always making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And if you're not willing to acknowledge those mistakes, you're never going to grow past them. So that that is... Yeah, I think um, realizing that there aren't always answers. Like mm-hmm. we're going to have to cobble together our own answers mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. yeah. doesn't mean we don't take a ton of lessons yeah. or respect our teachers, but no, no. I mean, they're the ones who will tell us like that it's good enough. Now you need to figure out how you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I really like what you said about that. The, you know, forging your own path and you know, you're, you are, kind of going into this unexplored territory. I mean, I'm sure you, you hear this from a lot of your students where they just want the right answer to everything. And sometimes it's just not there for Tango or it's, or it's going to be different for someone else than it is for you. So, yeah. And for me, honestly, that's one of those things that I think in the beginning of, of the process for Argentine Tango, mm-hmm. like I don't really care which style it is, but I think it really could be standardized a lot more. Mm-hmm. Like saying, hey, this is Milongero style technique, and we're going to do this until you've got it and are comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is a style technique. Hey, this is more like salon style technique. Mm-hmm. We're just going to do or this school of thought in salon. Mm-hmm. And do that until the student is comfortable with those systems before moving into a different one. Because I think mm-hmm. each one of the systems is highly structured and clearly defined in terms of rules and techniques. Mm-hmm. The uh, process of learning, I believe, is so much slowed down by jumping around in those styles yeah. or people really defining what systems of technique they're using. Mm-hmm. I would say that's, that's particular for the U.S. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to the rest of the world. No, no, no. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, with our students that we know in the U.S., it's been really helpful to be like, okay, I want you to do this this way for now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we're going to stick with this so that you can actually learn and not just be trying to filter through all of the tons of technical information you know. Right. And I, I would equate this with like when I visited the Pablo Picasso Museum in Barcelona, mm-hmm. this point really kind of was illustrated for me in that I've always thought of Pablo Picasso as this guy, 
um, was kind of a jerk to women and <laughs> uh, did all this crazy art. Mm-hmm. But when I went to this museum, I got to see his artistic process from when he was starting at five years old and the paintings he was making at 11 were, they were not inventive. They were the standard high level techniques of the master artists of his time. So he literally went through the entire background of art and painting mm-hmm. before he arrived at his creative advancing the art point. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that a lot of students would benefit greatly from a process like that uh-huh. so they can become artists themselves rather than being told, hey, why don't you just go invent something new on your first day? Yeah. yeah. I think that would be also more of a professional track. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. not everybody wants to study that hard. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Some people just want to go have fun. Well, like, that's true. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a system for teaching them how to go have fun casually as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't take, you don't have to be the master creative artist to do that. <laughs> so how did you both start teaching? Can you describe that journey? I was tricked into it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> as, I, as I said, I was, um, I got trained in teaching uh, in ballroom. I did, I did teach like pre-ballet as a teenager as well. So I got really good, solid, like studio training of like how to take care of a student in a private, how to run a group class, like a lot of really good stuff so that I, I could be an independent instructor mm-hmm. in the other dance styles first. When I started doing tango, I was like, I want to do this for fun. I want to do this for me. And I met Nick and we started working together. And he's like, yeah, cool. Well, I'm teaching at UC Berkeley. We should come. And, you know, of course, kids are asking me questions. And I'm like, hmm, well, uh, I don't really teach this, but I can't help but help you. <laughs> <laughs> you're asking really good questions and I want to help and so like he slowly tricked me into teaching tango because I was like there's so many tango teachers I don't need to teach tango like mm-hmm. I teach ballroom mm-hmm. but you know hanging out with him enough like I'm not gonna be able to get out of it so he, he slowly dangled the carrot mm-hmm. so how about you Nico I was I was teaching on my own beforehand I was teaching uh, again professionally at Arthur Murray and then I went to Buenos Aires and then when I came back it was like I don't know if you've seen that Tango meme with the, uh, the woman holding the book of light and truth and love. You know, like, I was this you know, guy bringing like real Tango back to the United States. Uh, just the, that kind of yeah. young teacher. Arrogant. Yes. But anyway, um, I was, I, so I... Uh, you thought you were hot. I, well, I thought I was honestly going to save people's souls. So I was teaching it at college at UC Santa Barbara as kind of a way to make money on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was teaching. And then I, I just kind of stuck with it, continued teaching and dancing mm-hmm. until we decided to go full, full time, um, which was in 2014. Nice. So you're located now in Phoenix? Yes, sir. Well, yeah, you are now at this moment of this recording, you are in Buenos Aires. So you Mm -hmm. have taken the leap that not a lot of other tango dancers or teachers do is in which you are uh, competing and you were the 2014 uh, U.S. tango champions. So what motivated you to start competing? I like winning. (laughs) All right. But uh, through my personal growth in the last couple of years, uh, it does no longer be motivation. It was when I started competing. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it has to do in the tango world with a fast track to social acknowledgement, mm-hmm. uh, to being able to be in front of people and say, hey, look, I am good. 
Uh, I know I'm a young dancer and I just started, but look at how I'm doing. And it gives you a lot of, I don't know if street cred is the right word, but a lot of visibility instead of being kind of lost in the crowd. Yeah. I think originally for me, I was looking for um, more opportunities to sort of perform. And that was something that Nick had suggested as soon as we got together. He was like, hey, do you want to do this competition with me? And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, totally, because I'd done ballroom comps before. For me, comp has been more of a struggle because in ballroom and in ballet and everything else, you have choreography. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this was my first experience having it be lead and follow. Mm -hmm. So that's like a big challenge for me. And so that that's actually ended up being sort of one of the reasons I do it is because it challenges me really. I have to be really good to be able to follow him in the moment, you know, especially if I'm freaking out. <laughs> especially <laughs> if or something's happening, you know, between us, like it's a challenge. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. So there are, there are people listening now who may be interested in, in performing, I don't know, or perhaps even competition. Um, mm -hmm. So the differences between dancing socially versus performing, what are some things we would need to keep in mind on a, I guess on a technical level? You mean performing as in like exhibitions in, in a milonga or? Yeah, performing? yeah. Uh, uh, not, not stage tango, but more of the, the social style. So in, in my mind, I've kind of created a few different categories of mm -hmm. exhibition where if you're, if you're performing, if you're demonstrating in a milonga okay. as a professional or an amateur couple, mm -hmm. um, I have to make clear to the audience that you are trying to do a demonstration and not a show. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, there's a new genre in the last, well, it's not the last few years, but it's been going on for a while. It's growing in popularity where the, in the milonga, there's a show where you have some couples doing kind of like social style tango on steroids. Okay. <laughs> um, so a lot of it, what I think a lot of people don't, I don't know what people know or not, but it, a lot of it is actually choreography. Mm -hmm. So it is, in a sense, stage tango, but in a social style. I see. So people have this expectation when you go out there that they're going to see that like it's a show. Okay. So if you're going to do a purely lead and follow exhibition, you kind of have to tell the audience that that's what they're going to see so they can put that in a proper context. Okay. If you have a group of people, then it's very clear, like, this is going to be choreo, and it's an amateur group, and you're here to support them and enjoy what they're doing. Yeah. People think that the social social tango looks a certain way because they see it in the milonga, but anytime you're going to be performing, it's going to be different. Yeah. It's not going to be exactly what you do. It's not going to be the same level of relaxation and creativity and openness mm -hmm. or just ushy-gushy goodness inside because it's not just about what you're feeling. It's also about what people are experiencing on the outside. Mm -hmm. Like at least that's how I take it because it could feel great to me and look terrible and the judges will hate it. Yeah, yeah we have a those videos. You know? <laughs> or the other way around, there's mm -hmm. tons of videos. What I really appreciated at least this trip was hearing from other professionals how often like a performance feels terrible and looks fabulous mm. because that happens to us a lot. It'll be like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. That was really terrible. It just felt so tense, whatever. And then you look at the video and you're like, oh, it looks fabulous. Okay, well, fine, whatever. Yeah. You know, so the value system is going to be a little different because it's not just about the internal experience. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you do those exhibitions, you I think it's important to say, like, what are you proposing? Yeah. Like, what's your proposal with this, mm -hmm. this thing? Are you 
Mm-hmm. Trying to propose like extreme elegance. Are you trying to propose musicality? musicality? Are you trying to propose, hey, look at my feet because I'm wearing bright red shoes? Like, <laughs> yeah. Having, and maybe this is a little bit further down the road in artistic expression, but having an intention behind your exhibition yeah. or your performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with competition too, um, it's a really fun because you get a chance to show three different dynamics mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. at once. Like you, you know, at least three dynamics, I should say, because within a song you can have more than that. But you really get to push the extremes of your dancing, mm-hmm. which is something you can, cannot um, say is going to happen every time you go to the Milonga. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get like Pugliese and D'Arienzo and a Desarli, pretty much in the same tanda because it's three songs in a row. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to feel like, okay, I can change it up and I can, I can push my dancing to the limits with all of those artists and the styles that I want. So I find that the growth is really good because your extremes get, you push the boundaries of what you can do. Whereas at a milonga, like you're just kind of at the mercy of the DJ or at the mercy of what was there, you know? <laughs> right, right, yeah. Mike has to dance a giant pugliese at the end of the night, but you, you know, maybe you're too tired and you can't make it that long. <laughs> so I like that. You know, I'm going to get different dynamics and I'm going to artistically push myself. Yeah. Yeah, Steph, you mentioned before, and I think that a lot of people can identify with that, is just because it, it might feel bad in the moment, but it'll look fabulous when you're you know, watching the video or when someone might tell you it looks great. Is there a way to predict if something, you know, if it feels bad but looks right or if it, or vice versa, if it feels good, looks good? Is there a way to predict how something's going to look, you know, based on the feeling or is that just sort of, sort of intuition you develop? Um, I think solid foundational technique mm-hmm. pretty much guarantees that it's going to look fine yeah and so it's like because what we experienced this trip this trip a few times where we're like okay these are just feel terrible like because we're trying some new techniques and whatever and our teachers are like they look fine they look we're great. Like, let's move on that's, no 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 no, no. Like, they look <laughs> fine but it feels <laughs> horrible like, here, here. <laughs> you know? so i think because we have technique and we practiced the look of an ocho that we want or different styles like I know it's always going to be okay mm-hmm. but if you don't have that foundation it's like yeah then the feel would probably not necessarily mirror the look yeah so I've heard there's always something new to learn when it comes to tango so even though you've had so much experience you've explored so many different avenues of this dance is there something new that you've re- learned recently over the last couple of years um, over the last two months. Okay. Over the last two hours. Two hours yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we're we're looking a little bit more on stage tango. Okay. This trip and trying to get a handle on the genre mm-hmm. uh, a bit more, and that's been really fun. And then we've also been working on trying to create more rounded dynamics in our dancing. Okay, mm-hmm. rounded dynamics. Yeah, so like instead of having our figures or our embrace be a little more linear, mm-hmm. um, create more circular movement it really obviously helps with heroes and, and any kind of circular motion but even can you take a sidestep and have that kind of movement be the base mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's something we're playing with a rounded sidestep when we were working two hours ago what no i'll show you later okay. <laughs> nice nice but yeah I mean, this trip has been we've been taking from a lot of different people like all really good but mm-hmm. Everybody has their own spin slightly. Yeah. 
And so it's just like, okay, well, this person wants your leg to be heavier and this person wants you to relax your hip and this person wants you to um, connect in a slightly different way, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's really cool because it's like when I have all of those tools in my toolbox, I can create so many different things. Ah. There's like a bunch of different ways to do the embrace, the ochos, the connection, Mm -hmm. the musicality. Like it just makes it fills out your dancing in a in a really good way. Mm-hmm. And so once we once we kind of solidify some of these new techniques that we've got, then we're going to do the work of being able to communicate how we're code switching between mm-hmm. one system or another uh-huh. within within a dance. I see. What are some things you've learned from your own students? A lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we've had some we've had some students, uh, some very exceptional students who. That helps me, like we have, for example, we have a Buddhist student who has always impressed me with his ability to make friends mm-hmm. very casually. Like he just, I would go out with him to a milonga and, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take him out. And then by the second milonga, he knows more people there than I do. <laughs> wow. And like him more. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I'm like, oh, hey, um, hey, bro, could you teach me what you're doing? Like, <laughs> That's, that's really cool. Like, so that, you know, that's been really fun. We had a student who taught us, who t- gave us a juggling workshop. Ooh. And that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was great. I think, you know, it's more back on the dance topic, but um, I have students, because I'm teaching, like the students end up teaching me what I want to do clearer. Mm, oh, yes. So, um, because I have to be able to explain it to someone else my methodology has to be clear mm-hmm. and so like learning how to teach someone how to take the back step in a very slow methodical way like helps me solidify my own technique which is really nice i can i couldn't do it on my own or i wouldn't do it on my own but like if someone's looking to you for the answers i don't ever i could never like just make it up or bs my way through it i have to truly understand it i don't teach anything i don't actually mm-hmm. understand i like that kind of pressure because it feels like then I, I, it's, I'm doing it for someone else too. It's not just a selfish pursuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, thank you for bringing that up, Stephanie. You remind me of the thing that I learned a lot from students is um, figuring out how to teach things faster mm-hmm. and more efficiently. The process of thinking like tango is really hard uh, and trying to reverse that and thinking of tango is really easy mm-hmm. and trying to achieve quality results. And our students have really been this kind of like this shining beacon of truth like they (laughs) they are not they can't they won't fake it like they won't they won't ever lie to you they're either going to get better or they're not or they'll understand it or they won't and being able to have them teach us like what is effective and what works has been great really really helpful yeah so you have traveled to many many different communities to to teach and you've met probably thousands of, of people so what are some key ingredients, in your opinion, that make a really good community? <laughs> yeah, I said. I just said, dude. I don't know. Um. <laughs> let's say. Let's say you visit a community, you teach there, and then after you're done with your workshops, you're leaving. You you say to yourselves, "Wow, that was a really great bunch of people. I'd love to come visit them again." Just sort of thinking back to those times. What What are some things those community organizers or those people in that community did that make their that made their community so so cool honestly i i I see a lot of (laughs) communities i have to be honest most of the communities we see are struggling 
Mm -hmm. So I meet a ton of people who are awesome. Mm -hmm. Very nice. They're so kind and giving and they love tango and they're happy to be doing it. But the communities in general, it's a struggle, like to keep the people that, you know, will support it, to have enough milongas. Um, I think it really takes leadership by somebody in the community, whether, you know, usually it's a teacher, sometimes it's an organizer who holds it all together because without that, I've seen a lot of, especially smaller communities, um, struggle to sort of keep things going, you know, mm-hmm. places, places like SF do a good job um, because there's so many people sharing the weight of the work, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a ton of work. Like when we go to, when we move to Phoenix, it's like, at first we were like, yeah, we can do this. And eventually it's oh. like, this is not something, first of all, that we're that good at. Like mm-hmm. we are not organizers. Yeah. We're not that kind of detail oriented people like we want to teach we don't want to put on parties and stuff like mm-hmm. um, we want to perform but we don't want to organize performance <laughs> <laughs> you know so like that for us like that was a different experience but but that's what the community needs they need yeah. somebody who's going to put on milangas mm-hmm. who's going to welcome the new members who's going to follow up when people come to a beginner class mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's a lot of, of socializing a lot of interpersonal skills mm-hmm. and the communities I've seen that that works at is there's one usually one person behind it that is just killing themselves to keep it going and they love it and so it's fine but yeah, um, yeah it's, it's hard it is it is extremely difficult to provide the kind of emotional energy that is required mm-hmm. in a long-term manner there are some people who are refilled by doing that kind of organizing and socializing and bringing people into the fold and Without those connectors, communities don't really seem to grow or blossom. Mm-hmm. They tend to stay small. Yeah. Um, age spread. Mm-hmm. So they'll have, you know, the colleges feeding into the community. Mm-hmm. That's really important because then you're getting new dancers all the time. And then there's like, there's people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s mm-hmm. plus dancing. And so you get all kinds of generations mixing, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. At the same time, it doesn't mean everyone has to get together and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> right. There, there is people, we organize ourselves into groups, mm-hmm. and while some people will call that cliquish, I think as long as there's no animosity between those groups, right. and understanding that, like, look, if you're 70, you're going to have different goals going out dancing than if you're 20. Right. And, you know, like, so I've seen in some of the Lindy Hop scenes where, like, you have someone who's, a you know, an old timer and they're going out and they're, they're going out to have fun mm-hmm. and shake move and, and socialize a little bit. And then this 20 year old is like, I'm here to throw air. I'm here to go win competitions. and I'm here to sweat my ass off. Yeah. In my life. Sure. Right? And it's like those two groups don't have a lot in common because of that. But if they still respect each other, it's fine. The yeah. problem is when it's like. Well, I don't like this old timer because you know they're telling me I can't do these things. And the old timers, like, well, you're just here to show off, and, and then and there's this animosity that develops, and then then you get that people talk about flickishness. That's the thing that's important to the animosity to yeah. avoid. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very interesting uh, to observe the human psychology of of tango mm-hmm. groups. <laughs> As I said, like the whoever is sort of the community leader. Mm-hmm. or whoever started tango in the local scene mm-hmm. has a lot of power to set the tone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot. 
And so it's really important that, that those people are, for us, one of the key phrases has been is more tango is good. <laughs> more tango is better. Yeah. It doesn't matter what style you're doing or what, you know, really what your content is. As long as you're not hurting people or being inappropriate, then it's great. Like do yeah. your thing because yeah. somebody's going to want to enjoy, somebody's going to enjoy your style. Mm. Someone's going to enjoy what you're doing and your experience. Mm. Um, and the more dancers, the more events, the better it is for mm. everybody. Yeah. Even if it's not the demographic that you want in Tango. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. those people will still support high level visiting teachers mm. who you may want to take lessons from, but you couldn't support on your own. Yeah. Mm. All right. So what are some future projects you're working on? I'm going to be doing an opera this in September. Wow. That's really exciting. It's Maria del Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, nice. And the uh, Arizona Opera is putting that on. So we're going to perform in Phoenix and Tucson. Cool. Yeah. So there's, it's two male dancers and me and then uh, the leads of the show. So it's going to be really fun. More stagey, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah. Um, we're also, we're also um, co-directing a youth lending hub team. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, our goals are coming up with some stage performance routines. Mm-hmm. I, I say routines, but it's more than that. It's like uh, artistic expressions. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's the word. Yeah, we're, um, we're, we're trying to wrap our, head around, wrap our heads around the choreographing of pieces as art mm-hmm. rather than as a set of moves. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, where on the stage certain points are stronger or weaker or how your physical expression communicates story mm-hmm. non um, So we've been really excited by some of the teaching that we've gotten and, and the performers that we look up to really are, are saying something with their routines. It's mm-hmm. not just um, well, I can kick the back of my head and, you know, <laughs> he can lift me really high for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's, there's something behind it. And it's not, it's not even as simple as, oh, it's musical. It's like, okay, well, what are you trying to say? Like, yeah. who are you and why do I care about what you're dancing about? Mm. Did you see that? Um, did you see that routine by Ugo and Agostina? So, uh, staged- like 2016 or the, 17? The birdcage one. Bird one. The birdcage. No, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah. They danced to Bailada por un loco, and there's a, there's a clear, very clear story going on there, even if you don't know the lyrics. Okay. And so that's that's like, and they're doing a show, which unfortunately we're not going to be able to go see. I really want to go see it. But, um, mm-hmm. Like that kind of expression can, you know, if we have enough of those pieces, we can put together our own tango show eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like here in Buenos Aires, people are really pushing the boundaries of the artistic expression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We get to kind of witness that because everybody's, you know, located here and then they go tour. But in the States, when people come, they often do the, the tango for export. Like it's pretty clearly like, you know, you got to have a hat, you got to have the, the fishnet. <laughs> people don't know enough about tango to always like know what they're looking at. And mm-hmm. so, we want to be clear, this is tango, like, you know, um, and, and play with those tropes because then you know what you're looking at. So I think for us, it's always been like, well, we want to do more with it, the genre. We want to be able to, like people like Ivan and Sarah are pushing mm-hmm. those boundaries in Europe. Mm-hmm. And so that's something we'd like to do in the States is take mm-hmm. it from, okay, well, yeah, I see that it's stage tango to like, wow, they're doing something with that. Mm-hmm. 
Excellent. Good. All right. So where do we find out more about you online? Well, Nico has a, a pretty awesome blog that he's been working on for a while. Very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can subscribe to that and then you get his updates. And he talks about stuff kind of like what you were asking us about, like mm-hmm. what makes a community, things like that, where like he'll do his observations. That's okay. um, nicoandsteffi.wordpress.com. Excellent. Um, and then our general website is www.nicoandsteffi.com. Great. Great. And I'll have that in our show notes so people will be able to look that up. Yep. And then obviously Facebook, Tangoland on Facebook. Good, good. Okay. Well, Nico and Steffi, thank you so much for taking the time to to come talk to me. I know you're both super busy. You just uh, are right now. Again, you are in Buenos Aires right now. So I, th- I know things are, are really, really moving. You got a lot of things in the air, but yeah, it means a lot that you took the time to speak to us. And I think the listening audience will really appreciate what you have to say. Well, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you very much. Okay. I was glad to catch these two while they had a free moment in Argentina. We touched on a lot of things and I liked what they said about forging your own path while learning tango. And like we've heard with previous teachers, Nico and Steffi emphasize the importance of exploring. Because when it comes to tango, we'll just have to experiment and find the answers that work for our own tango. But I also like what Nico said about the usefulness of standardizing tango steps for learning or introducing some sort of structure during a class. And that structure gives us tools from which to be creative. Funny how that works in that in order to be effectively creative, we need to have some boundaries. And I like how Steffi elaborated on her point of being relaxed while dancing and that she gets her students to think about executing movements efficiently, which is a lot easier to understand than just telling someone to relax. So if we're tightening up or feeling off balance during ochos, for instance, perhaps it's because we're trying too hard. So it's not good enough just to put forth effort. It's about putting in the right amount. No more, no less. And I really like what they said about performing in that a good exhibition may look great, but might not feel great while it's happening. In fact, it might just feel really uncomfortable, but being conscious of good foundational technique is key. And this is true even when we're not performing. In class, when we're learning a new step, doing it correctly will feel pretty bad or maybe even kind of awkward at first. And our body needs time to adjust before it can recognize good technique from bad. So thank you, Nico and Steffi, for sharing your stories, your thoughts, and for your time. Much appreciated. And of course, thank you to all you listeners. I really appreciate your support. You know, I've been doing this podcast for just over a year now, and I can't believe how fast time has gone by. It still feels as though I'm just getting started, but there'll be more to come. I love getting that feedback, so if you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason, go ahead and send me a message at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, it would be lovely if you could take a few seconds to head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, or whichever podcasting platform you're using. Click the subscribe button and leave a good rating and review. That helps a lot. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.